Well, shalom, chavarim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast, where we help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my dad, Ron. Hi Say, there. Oh, shalom. There you go. You beat me to the punch. <laughs> hey, we're here to give a unique perspective on the story of God and his people. And right now we are in a season of telling the story of God and his people as he is leading them out of Egypt in an event that we call the Passover. And we're looking at this not just from the first act, which is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, but the implications, if we ever get there, we'll get to the second act over there in the New Testament. Hmm. What are you reading over there? Oh, uh, you know, I'm just looking at what we're going to cover in Exodus uh, starting in chapter 1. All right. And, uh, you know, you want me to jump into it? No. Okay. No. (laughs) It's... If people could only see what I get to deal with and have yeah. to deal with at the same time, I'm I'm talking here, I'm doing a good job, and you're just you know nose deep. Hey, you know this is uh, I'm I'm in the good stuff here. Yeah, you are. You're yeah. like just just let me talk already, right? Yeah. Your little wind up toy there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, but first before we do that, uh, I have a joke. It's uh, and it actually ties into what we're going to talk about. Oh, you got another one. Yeah, I've been doing some research. Oh, man. I know. You're, you're looking in the Bible for all that stuff, and I'm hey, looking at yeah, all the checkbooks. You're, you're going back to the Catskills. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, all right. So here we go. Uh, this is it. Are you listening? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening all already. Right. Moses, he's sitting in the Egyptian ghetto, and things are terrible. Pharaoh wouldn't even speak to him. And the rest of the Israelites were mad at him and making the overseers even more irritable than usual. And Moses, he's, a, he's ready to give up. Suddenly, a booming, sonorous voice spoke from above. I want to, oh. I bet you, hey, Noah, you're listening. Noah's my son, grandson, your grandson, uh-huh. and our, our editor. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that line again. Can you, can you throw on some reverb right now? Yeah. And let's make it sound, <laughs> give it, like, add some bass in there. All right, here we go. I'm going to set it up. Here we go. Suddenly, a booming, sonorous voice spoke from above. You, Moses, Hebrew, I have good news and bad news. Oh, boy. All right, you can take off the reverb now. What's the good news? Well, Moses, he was, he was staggered. The voice continues, says, You, Moses, you will lead the people of Israel from bondage. And if Pharaoh refuses to release your bonds, I will smite Egypt with a rain of frogs. And then he goes on to say, You, Moses, you will lead the people of Israel to the promised land. And if Pharaoh blocks your way... I will smite Egypt with a plague of locusts. And he says, you, Moses, you will lead the people of Israel to freedom and safety. And if Pharaoh's army pursues you, I will part the waters of the, the Sea of Reeds to open your path to the promised land. Uh-huh. So, perfect. We're going to talk about all of this right wow. now. Wow. Yeah. Moses was stunned and he stammered. He said, that's, that's fantastic. I can't believe it. But what's the bad news? You, Moses must write the environmental impact statement. Oh, oh. That's it. Oh, God. It's supposed to laugh. Environmental impact statement. Because it's going to be a mess, don't you? (laughs) Why? We're going to have to, hey, Noah, add a laugh track in there. Make it really good. (laughs) Like, I killed it and people loved it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, here we are. Uh, Episode 22. Can't believe we're still doing this. Um, we are leaving off. We left off with, you know, Joseph is gone. He is embalmed. He's placed in the coffin in Egypt, and he's been there for a good long time. And Exodus 1, opening lines, 
There was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Yeah. Get us into the story. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, this, this story is moving from the death of Joseph, which is the last recorded event in the book of Genesis, to this radical change in Israel's history. And that, that change is from favor uh, before Egypt's Pharaoh to actually now at this point disfavor and enslavement from this point on in the story. And that's, that's why everybody's real upset, right? Like they made, Pharaoh made their labor hard. They were making bricks. Uh, I was in Egypt a few years ago and got to go, our bus, we went off, a, off the road, went onto a dirt road, and we got to visit a family who, their family had been, they're still brick makers in Egypt, believe it or not. And uh, they've been doing this for generations, and we actually, our group, we got to go out there and do it. They had these wood forms, and they made this big pile, and they're putting everything into it, and we formed bricks. And I was thinking like, hey, for the first time in you know 3,000 plus years, we have another Jew making bricks again. But... You can tell as the Egyptian sun is coming down, it's baking and it's hard work. It's laborious work and these guys are working hard, but it's a it's a difficult job. And especially when you're a slave, there's no weekends. Doesn't sound like fun. Doesn't sound like fun. So where are we at? Well, we, we are at a point in time here, I think, in the story of Egypt where, you know, we look at verse uh, 23 in chapter 2. And it says, during those many days, remember, there's a Pharaoh now who knew not Joseph, and during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned of their slavery and cried out for help, and their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and this is the important point. It says, God heard. He heard their groaning, and get this, God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And, you know, as we go through this story of Egypt and the exodus out of Egypt, uh, we're going to come to a point where the impetus of this whole story is that the children of Israel remember what God did. I mean, down through the hundreds and hundreds of millennia, the reason that we celebrate this Passover is that we remember Egypt. We remember what God did. But what's interesting, before Israel remembered, it says here, God heard and he remembered. Yeah. He heard, he saw, and he knew. Yeah. And, and I, I think we'll get to this uh, in, in a future podcast. We're going to go through some of the elements. And uh, in the Passover course, we talk about this. But even the whole Seder meal, it, there's a Seder plate that happened. It's the centerpiece of the table. And there's a lot of different elements on it. And they really are geared towards remembering the tears. Um, and, and to know that even in those difficult, hard times, that, that God is a God who heard or who hears, who sees, and who knows our cries, who hears our cries for help. And, and, you know, our situations might be different, but God still hears. So they're in slavery. Uh, God sends a deliverer. His name is Moses. He's the hero of the story. He's a reluctant hero. Yeah. He says, don't send me to anyone else but me. Yeah, don't send me. I, I don't talk so well. <laughs> yeah. He and, says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there with you, and I'm going to give you a guide. He's your brother Aaron, and uh, he's, he's going to meet you there. And so he goes in there, and... Thus begins this journey um, where there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, but now there's a Pharaoh who knows Moses all too well. Yeah. 
and he sends Moses, and God promises deliverance for the children of Israel. And we get all the way into chapter 6 of uh, Exodus, and he we have the story of this deliverance, and uh, he says, I've remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, he's telling Moses, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. He says uh, he, all of these I wills, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, I wills of God. Hey, talking the microphone. What he is going to do for the children of Israel. Yeah. Well, and then he caps it at the end of all of that, and you go, and really the story of that that next section that comes up, in Exodus 12, 12, he says, I will bring judgment on all of the gods of Egypt, and yeah. with every plague that now comes, he is putting on a judgment for all of these gods in Egypt. Now, it's said, uh, some of the Egyptian scholars, that, that Egypt, uh, even during that time, had somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 thousand different gods they had a god for everything yeah yeah it's an illustration of uh, the paganism of the day uh they they had a god uh uh who was the guardian of the nile also hapi was the spirit of the nile they had a god of the frogs uh called hect uh a god for uh insects they had a God for flies. For I'm not going to read all through all of those, no, but please, uh, please read all 1,500 of them. All of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll cut it short a little. I'll only read 1,200. Okay. Right, perfect. Um, uh, God for over the over the boils. How do you have a God over the boils? Well, it's the God of medicine. Uh, it was a also a goddess of epidemics that they had. Um, they had Set, who was uh, the god of agriculture. Uh, against which God sent uh, a, a plague of locusts. Uh, there was dar darkness. Uh, the Egyptians had a sun god that they worshipped called Ra. And what did God do? He showed himself, uh, you know, omnipotent over all of these gods of Egypt. And finally, um, they had a god Osiris, which was a giver of life. They had a god Ammon, who was a lamb. It was a god of gods. They had Isis. that was the goddess of life. You really are going to do all 1,200, are you? Yeah. yeah. Well, and Pharaoh was considered a god. And so, therefore, the offspring of Pharaoh would be the uh, offspring of gods and a god ultimately uh, himself. Let, let's up. talk about this, because I'm not, I'm not, this is not my uh, area of expertise, but Having gone to Egypt um, more than once to be able to see, you go to Egypt and you have temples everywhere. And in these temples, they have the hieroglyphics and incredible artwork that's been preserved for thousands of years. Uh, you look at, at some of the chronology, uh, even the creation account, uh, and you put the Egyptian creation accounts and you put it next to the biblical one. And there's, there's a lot of crossover. Uh, it, there would be, there, there's uh, statements about how Ra would be sitting over this marsh and that, that life and creation just 
comes from it, right? Um, there, there would be these cartouches, these pictures, um, where you would have waters above and waters below, and there would be this vault in between, and you would have these inscriptions or these pictures of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh's always holding the stick, the staff, right? And we've mm-hmm. talked about empire versus kingdom, and they're going to rule out of fear. And, and really, Pharaoh stands there in the vault as the representative of the gods. The gods mm-hmm. are somewhere up there uh, in, in their barge, yeah. believe it or not. A huge yeah. boat. They, they, there's this belief in the afterlife um, that you go up and you're, you're in a, a boat, eternal boat for eternal life. And it's crazy. Like right next to the, the pyramids, uh, you go to Giza, um, they've buried uh, in in the ground, right there next to the pyramids, they had these massive long boats that they'd make in the middle of of the desert there, and they would bury the pharaoh. They would bury the mm-hmm. people in there because they were sending them off for their mm-hmm. next life. Yeah. In all of this, though, what they're trying to communicate is this picture of from chaos there is order, and in that vault there's order. That our gods, the pharaohs. They are the ones that bring order. And you take that and you put it up against the biblical account and you have God who's created out of the chaos, out of the water. You go to the Genesis account, tohu vavohu, right? God creates order Mm -hmm. out Out of of the chaos. Nothing, yeah. Out of nothing, even. Yeah, yeah. Bereshit bara Elohim in the beginning, God, out of absolutely nothing created and he created all that he created. What's interesting about all of that is uh, this is just indicative of man who has some sense that there is a God out there and is looking in kind of his paganistic ways of creating a sense of God, uh, but what, what he has is what we would call general revelation. Um, and that's not enough to find God, but it's enough to realize and know that somehow uh, there was a God or some power that made order out of all this. What we need is specific revelation, and that's what God gives. He gave that to Abraham, who knew absolutely nothing. (laughs) Abraham's the first Jew, but before he was a Jew, he was a Gentile living in Ur of the Chaldees. And God said, follow me, leave your father's house, go to a place I'm going to show you. Uh, he gave some revelation to Abraham as to who he was and confirmed the promises that he made to Isaac and then to Jacob. And uh, we have an unfolding of revelation. And all of a sudden, the children of Israel find themselves in slavery in Egypt. And uh, it seems as if everything stopped for a period of time, for, for, for some 400 years, until Moses comes along and God delivers them. I mean, just as a footnote before I forget... Um, There was also another gap of 400 years at one point in human history when God stopped speaking. And that was at the end of the Hebrew scriptures uh, in in the Bible uh, we have. It's it's the book of Malachi in the Hebrew scriptures. It's a book of Chronicles, but there was 400 years of silence. And that silence was broken again by a deliverance. That's when the Messiah came. You look at that, and that specific revelation now shows up on Pharaoh's doorstep. Right. In the form of ten plagues. Right. And 
if I'm Pharaoh, I think I would have gotten it pretty quickly. Um, and I don't, I don't want to go through all of the plagues, but there's a couple of things um, that, that Pharaoh does that I, I think are interesting, and I think it's worth noting. So let's look at this. Uh, look at Exodus chapter 8, and let's look at the plague of frogs. I feel bad for the frogs. They get a bad rap. Frogs are pretty cool, but not when there's tons and tons of them. And so this is how it goes. Uh, you know, everybody's into the darkness and the boils. Those are the cool plagues. I think the frogs is really neat. So <laughs> in, in Exodus 8, it says this, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all of your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs and shall come up into the house, into your bedrooms, on your bed. Ugh, I don't let the dogs on the bed either. On your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and to your ovens and your kneading bowls. Like it's in your food. It's everywhere. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals of all the pools, over all the pools. Make frogs come up from the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretches out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land. Like, hey, we don't have enough frogs. Let us show you our trick now. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. This is an interesting turn. Verse 8, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron, saying, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and for your people that the frogs will be cut off from you in your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow. Why in the world would he say that? Why tomorrow? What's the matter with today, right now? Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine you're, you're trying to make your bread. You're trying to go to sleep and you got frogs everywhere. And so... Moses goes up to him and says, hey, when do you want the frogs to be gone? And Mo- Moses is probably shocked by this as well, because Pharaoh says, eh, tomorrow. I want to show you something else before I give you what I think is, is going on here. And that is in the next chapter. It's in Exodus chapter 9. Uh, this is the fifth plague. This is the Egyptian livestock dying. Go to Pharaoh, say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time saying, tomorrow, the Lord will do this thing in the land. And tomorrow, the next day, the Lord did this thing. And all of the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent somebody out and behold, everything was true. Yeah. Wow. Well, what's going on with that? Yeah. Tell me what's going on. You're, you're talking an awful lot here. You talk about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's called payback. Oh, yeah. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. Are you going to finish it? Are you going to say your little thing? Not yet. Okay. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> we'll save that joke. Here's, here's, here's what I think is going on. Pharaoh certainly understands that God, the God of Israel, is a God of power. But the thing that he is also pushing 
is that God is a God of precision. Let's see what your God can do. We, and maybe we'll go through this, but we're going from order to chaos. Can God, who's all powerful, can he even in his precision bring that chaos back into order again? Yeah. It's not enough that he has the power to do it, but can he do it when he wants to do it? Can he do it even if I say tomorrow? Can he actually have the preciseness of actually just killing the Egyptian cattle and not the Israelites' cattle? Yeah. Yeah. Where does that hit you? Uh, that, that hits you right in the, uh, in, in the faith pocket uh, to where you're looking at what uh, God is doing, and, and he does precisely. He is sovereign and does precisely uh, what he will, when he will. And he's, at the same time, satisfying uh, what Pharaoh wants. Yeah, and in all of this, I, I think here, here's the great thing about God. God is not only a God who knows when to create and, and how to create, but he also knows when to stop. He knows when to relent, right? He For six days, he creates all of creation. The seventh day, he knows when to stop and he rests. Uh, he, he knows when it comes time to destroy the earth, but he also knows when to stop destroying the earth, right? For 40 days, it rains and the earth floods, but... I even think of uh, 1 Kings 18, is this the, the standoff with uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal? And, uh-huh. You know, there's the altar and everything's being set up. They have the water and the fountain and all that stuff. And then Elijah prays, Lord, let, it, let today, let it be known that you are God in heaven, <laughs> right? And there's this big showcase on Mount Carmel and the fire from heaven comes down. And that shows the power of God. The, the amazing part is the precision of God. Yeah. That you'd think that this big blast of fire from heaven can come down. It's going to burn out everybody who's around yeah, there. Yeah, you think it's like a, a nuclear explosion. Right. But God in his, in his preciseness, yeah. um, this God of precision, yeah. that, that he, he relents. And, and I think that he does the same with us, that he shows his power, um, but he, he knows who are his and he has the power to save. Yeah. And, you know, another interesting point about what happens here with Pharaoh and what God does and so on and so forth um, makes me think of an interesting story all the way in the book of Acts, chapter 8. You find the story in Acts about Simon the magician, uh, who actually, if you read through the story in chapter 8, he wants to buy his way into the kingdom, it seems. Right, yeah. And, uh, and Peter says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And Peter tells him, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, the uh, intent of your heart may be forgiven you. And what's interesting, Simon says in verse 24, he answered and said, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Simon, as you look at him, you know, and, and it's kind of like a picture of Pharaoh here. He, he was fearful. Uh, he was also, though, unwilling to repent and seek forgiveness. What he wanted to do is he wanted to escape the consequences of his sin, but he didn't really acknowledge God. And we have a picture in him of what's taking place with Pharaoh all the way back in Exodus. They go through plague after plague, judging God after God in Egypt. And when it's all said and done, more than once, but finally after the death of the firstborn, um, Pharaoh finally relents and he finally lets the people go. And it is that death of the firstborn that we're going to hit in the next podcast, because believe it or not, once again, we're we at a time. We can't shut up. 
or time just goes too quickly when we're when we're doing all of this. So let's uh, let's put a an egg in our shoe and beat it. Okay. <laughs> Where did you get that from? Yeah, I don't know. Somebody famous yeah. once told me that. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna come back and on the next episode, uh, let's let's talk about the institution of the Passover meal. Let's talk about uh, just a little bit of the lamb and the sacrifice and then finally getting out of Egypt. And we'll finally get out of the first act so that we can go into the second act. Uh, any, anything you want to just take away from what we've talked about just here on this, uh, on this episode here as we're talking through this God of power and precision and yeah. this God that sees, yeah. hears. Well, I, I think what we take away from that is the fact that God is sovereign for one thing and that God is faithful to his promises. Uh, even even though it was 400 and some years, uh, he did not forget his promise to Israel. He said he saw them, he heard them, and he knew, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he remembered it then uh, while they were in Egypt. Uh, Joseph said that God would remember it even before the Egyptian slavery. And there is coming a day future when God is going to remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the near future, and he is going to restore Israel once again. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Um, we got lots of stuff coming up. We are going to be hitting the road doing Messiah and the Passover uh, at churches all over the country, small groups and private seders. Uh, we have one here. If you're local to uh, the Lexington, Central Kentucky area, you can go onto our website, thejewishroad.com slash Seder. And if you are all over the place in other parts of the country, we might still be able to squeeze in another one or two. Uh, and that would be if you go to thejewishroad.com slash Passover. Um, those are different. But um, we have all kinds of stuff going on. You can listen to past podcasts. We have some blogs coming out. And just coming out, uh, we are putting out a course on Passover. We have 10 lessons where we're walking through uh, all of the different parts of a Passover Seder. You can go through that yourself or with a small group, and you'll be able to walk through all of those different elements, almost as if we were there with you. So pretty good stuff. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, there is certainly more to come. And until then, Sha'alu Shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.